0: Um, Man, it's such an exciting time for us as a church and as a community. If you don't know, it's your first time here. We've just moved in. I think this is our fourth meeting here. Um, And so we're still settling into the space. And as you can see, we have a lot of space, which is awesome. We came out of a farmhouse uh, in the North Riding Valley. So it was pretty tight and packed in there. I don't know how we got like a hundred chairs into that little room now looking at it. But um, it's such a joy that we have this space to begin to... uh, obey Jesus in what He's called us to do to reach more people, to already start making an impact right here in the center and over this whole valley. I think it's so strategic that we're looking at the northern suburbs, um, and even as we begin to expand on our hours of worship and prayer in this room, that we're releasing the sound of heaven over Johannesburg. Um, And I believe that God has set Johannesburg apart to be a sending city, Um, sending into culture, into spheres of influence, but also into the nations. And I believe that God has set 24-7 church apart to be an Antioch community. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about over the last couple of weeks, we've done a series on Antioch. You can go and listen to those teachings. It's a community out of Acts 11 and Acts 13 that were critical and pivotal to the advancement of the gospel to the Gentile world. If you don't get Antioch, we don't hear the gospel. Without Antioch, we don't get Paul uh, uh, ministering to that whole region, which is now uh, modern-day Turkey. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a powerful community that gave themselves to prayer and worship and ministering to the Lord. And from that place received the heart of God. And the heart of God stirred them to say yes to something way bigger than their own community and life. And so this is the beauty of Jesus, is that you and me together, when we follow Jesus, we're saying yes to something so much bigger than just us. And the war right now that's going on, the war in your life every single day is to get you to put your eyes on you. Every day, that's what's coming at you. With, with, with a ferocity, with a, a, an intensity, life is screaming at you to build self. Look at self. It's all about you. It's all about how you feel. It's all about what you need. It's all about what you want. And the reality is that's the total opposite of the gospel because Jesus said, If any man would follow me, if anybody wants to come after me, let him first deny him self. So denying self is the first fundamental of the gospel, right? Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. But the funny thing is we've got this weird religious mentality of what we think denying yourself looks like. And so we we begin to play the game of religion, like deny yourself. You know, we've got our... our, um elastic bands on our wrists, and every time we make a decision or we make a mistake, it's like slap yourself, pick the eyebrow hair out, you know, oh, come on, deny yourself, die to self, why? I just can't get it right. Or I'm just going to endure this horrible, horrific, difficult situation. I'm just going to endure because it's die to self. And so it's all about works, it's all about behavior, and we've missed the whole point. To die to yourself means to not be reliant or dependent on your own sufficiency, but to make sure that your life is lived Dependent, based, and built on the all sufficiency of Jesus Christ. To deny yourself means to look at yourself and recognize no other but Christ. It's to allow the Spirit of Jesus to fill you and to trust Him to produce the fruit, the life, and the nature of Jesus in and through you. See, we are obsessed as a people with right and wrong. And we've been like this since the garden because there were two trees. And we chose the one that was the knowledge of good and evil. And it's interesting that there were two trees, and it wasn't the good tree and the bad tree. It was the tree of life, and then it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we chose to eat of this tree, and we're still eating from it every single day because we think that there's something to do with our choice about right and wrong that actually is what we're measured by in Christ. And we've missed the gospel. See, we're obsessed with right and wrong when Jesus is all about righteousness, And His righteousness, the only one who's righteous, the righteousness of Jesus. Here's what's amazing. It's His righteousness that makes wrong things right, not your good decisions. Are you with me? It's the righteousness of Jesus lived and expressed in your life that makes wrong things right. You can't do it. Do you really think that your good decisions is what's going to cause you to walk in the fullness of God? See, you can't even be obedient to Jesus without receiving the Holy Spirit who gives you the obedience of Christ. You can't say yes to unreached people, groups, and nations in the most difficult places on the earth because you kind of got stoked about it. You don't want to get stoked about it. It's not very exciting. Like, <laughs> he's shaking <his> head. <laughs> you know, when God calls you to that sphere of influence that you don't really enjoy, it's like, it's not something that just gets you excited. It's an obedience that's so supernatural because it's come from the dream of heaven. It's come from the spirit of Jesus inside of you. We've got to be so careful that we are not staying stuck in patterns of religious behavioral modification. Thinking that, well, this is what God wants. God is about this. This is right. This is wrong. I've got to stay here. When the reality is, if you just give yourself to the grace of God and let Him lead you, you'll find that maybe it looks completely different than you thought, but it's Him. It's a real danger if we are going to stand before Jesus one day. And go, Lord, no, but I, I did this and this and this because I, I, you know, I thought that was the right thing to do. And he's going like, I didn't ask you to do the right thing or wrong thing. I asked you to follow me. I make the wrong things right. I'm the righteous one. So there's so many people that are actually living in the wrong assignment because in their head it makes sense that this is where I'm meant to be. No, surely it's a good opportunity. It must be God. Or no, God doesn't like this. He likes that. So I have to stick to this. None of that is actually centered around hearing the voice of God and following Jesus. Okay. It's good, right? Yeah. See, I'm, I'm really taken by this, this revelation that, you know, Jesus said on this rock, and he was talking about the revelation of himself, on this rock I'll build my church. He's going to build his church on the revelation of who he is. Not on the revelation of how we get to be like him. Not on our attempt to be like Christ. Uh, watch many, he says it so beautifully. He says, God is not looking for your attempt at Christ-likeness. He's looking for his Christ in you. Our responsibility as believers is not to try to be like Jesus. It's to let him be who he is in us. And I'm telling you right now, you might be in situations and circumstances where you have to make decisions that don't seem right or normal. Or maybe it's like, well, this is wrong and this is right. Stop looking at it through that lens and look for him. Look for the leadership of Jesus in your heart and in your life. Because I promise you, there are people in this room. You're in this room right now and you're stuck in situations because you're trying to figure out right and wrong instead of following Jesus. And then it keeps you stuck in perpetual cycles. Just follow him. His leadership is perfect. Because the reality is sometimes he leads you this way. And you think, God, this can't make sense. This is totally wrong. It makes no sense. I don't want to be in Afghanistan. I want to be the guy who's called to make millions, God. This is the wrong direction. But what you don't realize is that you're following him and his leadership is perfect. And maybe it's a season where he takes you into this place. But there might be different seasons and different assignments. And it's all about his voice. If you're marked by His voice, if you're led by His voice, if the leadership of Jesus is what governs you, not do I think this is right and do I think this is wrong. If we begin to live like that, we start to see the dream of God come alive in us. And the next thing, life's an adventure because He's the one governing it. Amen. We're getting it. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, that <laughs> took a lot of spit and sweat to get that. If you got your Bibles, Hebrews 12. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, verse 1 to to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight, hello, stripping off every unnecessary weight, and the sin. Here's the thing. We go and the sin, and then we, which so easily and cleverly entangles us, and we move on. And it's like, and then the emphasis is on sin. But listen to how it's explained here. And the sin, which so easily and cleverly entangles us, because this is in the context of running. says, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief, and the one who brings our faith to maturity. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Here's what I want you to see. He's saying, put off unnecessary weight. Get out of that the the sin that's entangling you, meaning it's keeping you stuck in a perpetual cycle. It's keeping you stuck in the same thing over and over again. Put it off. Put it aside. Look away from what's distracting you and fix your eyes on Jesus. Because let me tell you something about Jesus. He's the author and he's the perfecter of your faith. This is insane. All you have to do is look at Jesus, believe in him, and live your life unto him. And he's the one who's going to birth and author faith in your life. But he's also the one who's going to bring your faith to maturity. I don't know where in that process we see how my decision of what I think is right and wrong is going to get me there. You see, when we sing, there's only one, you stand alone. Do you know what we're saying? We're saying there's only one who's righteous. There's only one who's holy, who's set apart. There's only one who's pure. There's only one who's faithful. There's only one who's good. And he's the one. And he's in me. And so when I look at him, it's his goodness, it's his life, it's his gospel, it's his glory, it's his purity, it's his perfection in me. My job is to live in him, unto him, through him, and for him. Looking away from the things that distract me and keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. This is not about me figuring it out. This is not about me making good decisions. This is about me following Jesus. and This is the essence of the gospel. And so in Johannesburg, it's funny because we live in a culture that's all about making money. It's all about work. It's all about the grind. And what comes with that is an intellectual mentality towards the gospel. Where I'm looking for principles to make good decisions for a better life. Rather than just saying, die to myself, follow Jesus. He's the one who called me. He's the one who will sustain me. See, because when Jesus begins to ask us to do something that makes no sense or seems like it contradicts him. See, sometimes God asks you something, you go, God, I, I thought you were like this. There's a way that seems right to a man. Proverbs says this, there's a way that seems right to a man and its end is destruction. Jesus doesn't always seem right to you. Hello. Let me give you an example. John chapter 8, the adulterous woman is dragged to the middle of the crowd, thrown right at the center of everybody and, and, and here's what happens. The Pharisees come and go, the law says... Stone her. Teacher, what do you say? Let me tell you what's right. Stone her. That's what's right. What does Jesus do? He's so much higher. We're just saying this. He's so much higher. He's so much greater. He's so much bigger. He takes this situation with this broken woman who is no more broken than everyone else who wants to throw stones at her. And he begins to bring everybody's understanding to a higher place. And he goes... Actually, you're looking at one situation trying to make a right or wrong decision. And I want to take you to the higher place of who I am. It's my nature. And I want to tell you, he without sin. You throw the first stone. You want to stone him? You want to do the right thing? Okay, cool. You need to be at the, the standard of perfection and holiness. That's, that's where I am. And then it hits them and they go, oh, this, that's not it. And I can't be that. And so they begin to drop the stones one by one. And then Jesus does this wild thing because he's the one who has the right to stone him. He's the one who can pick the rock, rock up and actually do the right thing. You know what he says? He says, who condemns you? Jesus is doing the, what would seem like, according to the law, the wrong thing. But he's Jesus. And he goes, who condemns you? And she goes, no one, Lord. And he says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. He brings her to a place of recognizing he's the only one. And he speaks truth over her life and releases her into freedom. But he did the wrong thing, according to the law. She should have died. See, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. The law was there to reveal our need for Him. But now we've got to make sure that we're not following the law, we're following Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes it's written on our hearts, it's written on our minds. The, the nature of, of God is going to come alive in us when we follow Him, when we yield to Him, when we' filled with Him. The Christian life is not about you making Christian choices. Uh, The Christian life is about you giving over leadership to Him. The Christian life is about lordship. The Christian life is I don't make my own choices anymore. He does. It's astounding to me that He's the author. Like the author of faith, that makes sense to me. He's the only one who can birth faith in my heart. Agreed. But the perfecter and the finisher, whoa. He's the one who's going to bring my faith into a place of maturity. See, we, we most of us live our Christian lives like this. Thank you, God, that you birthed something in my heart, that you birthed faith in me. I'm so grateful. Now I'm on a journey to prove myself to you to find my way to maturity. And then you see a, a church that's broken, and they have this religious perspective around their decisions. And they're living trapped in legalism and, and performance, and if I, if I don't do this, then I failed, and if I do that, then maybe that's better, and it looks good, and, but you're living lives trapped in a, in, a, in a prison of legalistic mentality and self-nature, and sometimes on the other side of the thing you fear the most is actually where freedom is going to come alive and break through. Sometimes you look at something and you go, I can't, surely not, surely it's not that, surely he's not, surely that's not the decision, and he goes, just trust me. And on the other side of that decision to follow Jesus, to follow His ways that are higher than our ways, that don't make sense to our natural mind, but on the other side of that is freedom. When you stand before Jesus, I promise you, you you want to stand before Him having lived for Him. Having lived for Him, not having just made good decisions. Having lived for Him. God, anything you want, any price, any cost, I'm yours. There are some people sticking out situations because it seems like the right thing to do in your head. For example, I've got to stick this job out because I need the salary that's this specific amount and that's what needs to happen. And so if here's my T's and C's. God, if you can open another way that gives me exactly the same salary, exactly the way I get it with all the comforts that are attached to it, I'm open to anything else. Right? T's and C's. Instead of just going, God, your leadership is perfect. You can ask me to do anything, I'll follow you because you're the Lord of my life. Are you with me? You know, we... You're not wild for Jesus because you get rowdy in church. You know, It's like you can get passionate in a worship service. What it means to be passionate for Jesus and follow Jesus is that, Lord, my life is yours. You're the great shepherd of my life. If you take me in a way that I didn't expect to go, if it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, it's okay. I trust you. I give it to you. Because at the end of the day, what counts for eternity is my burning heart. My heart of love for him. Imagine these were the things that governed us. Jesus, whatever it is, whatever, whatever you're doing, whatever it looks like, maybe it doesn't make sense to my head. Maybe the answers are not what I thought they were, but it's you, and I'll follow you. And can I just touch on this, and I, I won't go too far down this, but I believe, I've seen it in my own life in this season, I, I believe it's happening to so many of us. I believe the Lord is teaching the church how to process pain, and how to allow the gospel to find its home in you in the midst of pain and bring transformation. You see, because legalism keeps you trapped in pain. Because all it does is exposes your shortcomings and what you, what you can't do in yourself. And so then what we do is we stay stuck in the, in the cycle of pain because we have a legalistic perspective and we can't get free. We can't make decisions to get out of that painful place. We can't allow Jesus into that place of pain to bring transformation because we have a legalistic perspective. I have to do this because that's what's right. I have to do this because if I don't do this, it's wrong. But what you've missed is the person of Jesus is going, I want to lead you through and out of this pain. Into a place of freedom. Into a place of transformation. Into a place where you'll begin to see who I am in you. But God, you don't understand. If I, if I don't do this, then I'm going to lose all these things. Well, how do you know? Right? Right? God, if I, if, I'm not, if, I, if, I, if I do this, it's wrong because I've read the scripture once that says this. Or do you see what I'm saying? The mentality is we're trapped in a legalistic perspective rather than going, Jesus, your word is actually living and active and it's alive in me. And you're beginning to shape a person, not just decisions. You're beginning to shape a nature, not just a good thing to do. At the end of the day, what the world doesn't need is a church that looks like a group of people who have it all together and can make good decisions. What they need is Jesus. And the church's responsibility is to be the embodiment of who He is. So, can you imagine living a life that is not governed by what you think is right or wrong? A life that's governed by the voice of God. And when you you begin to live that and see it out worked in your life, it's so contrary to society, it's so upstream to the way of the world, that, that people look at you and go, Man, how did you come through that situation, and and, and the result, even though it looked like it was going to be a mess, the result is goodness. How did you come out of that shining? How did you come through pain radiant? How did you come through the difficulties of what you're facing in love with Jesus? Right? Right? How, how do you have joy when actually what you've been through is incredible trial, tribulation, pain, difficulty, and struggle, but you're, you're shining because you're carrying something that's bigger than just this, this life? This is a radiant church that's beginning to arise and shine. It doesn't mean that life is easy, that every decision just goes well, that everything you planned and dreamed for your life just looks like it's meant to look. No! Life happens. Things happen. Brokenness crashes into our lives. And it's in the midst of that that the gospel makes us alive in Him so that we can follow Him. Situation and circumstance does not govern Christ in me, who is the hope of glory. The situations and circumstances don't dictate to me whether that's a reality or not in my life. It's to follow Him. And I guarantee you, I'm looking across this room and I know some of you are in situations and circumstances where you need to make decisions that don't maybe feel like right, that doesn't feel right for you. It's not about that. Can I just give, this is very pastoral and not so much teaching. Is this okay? I'm speaking to your hearts because I believe today what God's going after is health. The health of our hearts. And so if I'm saying stuff today and you're like, dude, I have no idea what you're even preaching on. That's okay. If I'm, maybe I'm just speaking to a handful of people whose hearts need to hear just pastorally, like this is how we walk with Jesus. How we hear his voice. All of us live our lives most of the time like this. God, I need to make some decisions and I really need to hear you. So you need to speak in this context and if you don't speak into this context and tell me the direction in which I need to go, then I don't know what you want me to do. No, I'm sorry, I'm being funny, but that's the reality is we are so, we're already moving in a direction, but also we have designed the space that we're expecting God to speak. And, and it's like, I've decided what God's got to, what he can or can't say. Or I've given the two options. God, here, are you saying this? Are you saying this? And he goes, I might be saying this. And we're going like, no, God, I'm crying out. And I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for you to show me what's right and what's wrong. And he's going, it's not about right and wrong. It's about my presence. There are so many people trapped in situations going, but right and wrong and right and wrong. But you don't have him. And you're dry and you're tired. And I'm going, maybe just stop with the right and wrong thing. Maybe just give yourself to his presence. Say, Jesus, actually, this is about you. Sorry, Uncle Jay. I know you say I always preach that side. I'll come stand this side. Is this better? Hi. I'm left-handed, so I go this way, you know. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can I tell you sometimes, sometimes the Lord's going to speak to you and say, Jesse, this is what I want you to do. Sometimes he does that. Other times he doesn't do that. Other times you're going, God, just tell me what to do, and he goes, Follow me, and you're like, Lord, or, or it's like, Just trust me, and then we think trust me means do nothing. God's saying, Just trust me, so I just got to trust him. So I'm just I'm waiting on the Lord. No, you're lazy. Waiting on the Lord is not just doing nothing. Waiting on the Lord means pressing into his heart, pressing into him, and just going like, Jesus, in the midst of all the decisions that I have to make, I really want to know you. Because there's something that matters more than what seems important to me in this situation, and it's you. Does that make sense? And then there's this, we've got to understand that the Lord sometimes also speaks through process. There's so many people right now going through process and thinking God isn't leading them. Are you with me? It's like, but everything's kind of moving in this direction, and I just don't understand what God's doing or saying. And I'm going, I can see it in my own life. It's, it's process. Sometimes he's just, he's just taking you by the hand. He's walking you through a season or a situation, and He's doing stuff. You don't even know what He's doing. He's, he's working behind the scenes. You can't see it, but He's shaping you, and He's molding you, and He's leading you. And what you're seeing is life is kind of unfolding, but what you don't realize is that you're actually held in the palm of His hand, and He's carrying you and sustaining you through this season because He knows what's on the other side. Sometimes He can't tell you because you're not ready to hear it. Because I guarantee you, when He did speak, you'd say, that can't be Him. You go, God, I want to hear you. No, you already, you've decided what you want to hear. You've decided what you think He's going to say, so He can't speak to you. So what does He do? He holds you. And we've got so many people going, but God's just not speaking to me. I just feel far from God. I'm like, you have no idea. You're right in, you're right in Him. You're, you're wrapped up in Him right now. He's holding you. This is not about whether you feel the glory come into your room. This is about the fact that He loves you more than you could ever understand or comprehend, more than you could even reciprocate to Him. He loves you more. He's holding you. He's passionate about you. God is more committed to your destiny than you are. Do you get that? He's more committed to what he's put inside of you. He's, he's committed to being the perfecter of your faith. <laughs> and he's asking one simple thing. Look away from what distracts you. Just look at me. Just look at me. I'm committed to you. And can I just tell you that many of us, I look at my life and I'm, I go, if I go back like seven years and think about how I envisioned and imagined my life in the future, it looks nothing like that. My life looks nothing like what I thought God had put in my heart back then. I have prophetic words that God would, would release over me as a young boy, and I'd go, wow, I can't wait to see the reality of that prophetic word. And then you get into the reality of that prophetic word ten years later, and you're like, this looks nothing like what was said. But it's come, it's come to fulfillment. Maybe it's not so much about outcomes. Maybe it's not so much about results. Maybe it's about Him being given glory, being revealed, being seen and known through you in the midst of all of this? What if right now you're actually in process and God is making something beautiful? What if God cares about your heart more than your ministry? What if God cares about your heart more than relationships? What if God cares about your heart more than your business or your job? What if He cares more about your heart than your salary? What if He cares more about your heart than the nations? What if He cares more? Are you hearing me? Because when we talk about the kingdom, we talk about ministry, we have to understand it's a kingdom of hearts. (laughs) The ministry of reconciliation is about hearts coming to know Him. He's jealous for us, He's jealous for our hearts. We don't want to become an effective organization. We want to become a bride for his glory, a body for his name, and a dwelling place for his presence so that his glory would cover the earth like the waters cover the sea, uh, like, the, like the waters cover the earth, sorry. Is this making sense? It's just an encouragement. You know, what blows me away is he's the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, and then this rocks me, disregarding the shame, and then he sat down. He sat down. That's a very confident action, a very confident statement. It's like, I birthed it and I finished it, so I sit. And he goes, Everything that you do is going to come from this seated place at the right hand of the Father. Maybe victory doesn't look like what you thought victory looks like. Because look at Jesus, look at him. They came and said, when are you going to actually destroy Rome? And when are you going to build a nice throne for yourself? And when are you going to appoint generals for your army? And when are you going to? And Jesus, he just keeps choosing this low place. He keeps choosing this servant-hearted posture. He keeps looking for opportunities to love. and, And lives a life that actually, again, is so contrary to society. Because it didn't always look like the right thing. But it was him. My encouragement as, a, as your pastor, if you belong to 24-7, I'm speaking as a pastor this morning to your hearts just to bring strength and, and, and courage to you to say, it's going to get really rocky living in the world that we live in if we have a legalistic perspective of who God is and a legalistic worldview, a legalistic understanding of the gospel and how we follow Him where it's all about right and wrong. We're going to be eating from the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if we eat from the tree of life, The righteousness of God will be lived and expressed in and through you. See, because the goal of grace is actually the Holy Spirit in you. Do you get that? The goal of His grace and mercy is that you would be filled by the Spirit of Jesus. So that what? So you could actually live out what He put inside of you. For you to walk out what He's called you to live in. For you to actually see the dream of God lived and expressed in your life. It's the Spirit of Jesus in you that accomplishes that. Not your own attempt. Not your own strength. This should bring joy to our hearts to go, it's my great joy to lay it all down. It's my great joy to give you my whole life. It's my great joy for your leadership to be Lord. Amen? He's not just my Savior. He's my Lord. And so when He begins to lead you into paths and decisions that don't seem to be the one that you thought is the right thing to do or the one that made sense to your mind, you've got to trust Him and let Him produce fruit. You be the one who abides. His, the fruit is His responsibility. Amen? Hmm. See, what God's about to do in 24-7 church, He's setting us up as a house to be an example. A holy example that can only be because of Christ. Like, He has to make us that. We can't do it in our own strength. But I believe that that He is forming communities all across the world that will be given to His presence, that will be given to Him to minister to Him, anchored and held by the grace of God and obedient to the Great Commission to see the dream of God established on the earth. That's what He's doing. You're going to see it. It's going to happen. He's going to build His church. He's going to train, equip, and send. He's going to anoint you and fill you with boldness like you've never known before. You're going to see the power of God expressed in your life. You're all called to lay your hands on the sick and see them healed. You're all called to preach the gospel. You're all called to prophesy. You're all called to see these things come alive in you and through you. But I promise you, He really cares about your heart. He really cares that you're actually healthy. That you actually can can live in that place with Him. Of intimacy, of... Being sustained and carried by the all-sufficiency of Jesus. So this is just a pastoral message to say, maybe today the Lord's speaking to your heart saying, stop. Stop trying to make decisions. Right, wrong, this, that. And just rest in the fact that He is the author. He is the perfecter. He is the finisher. And He's holding you. And maybe right now you're looking for the word of the Lord for this season. And He's going, just live in my word. Let me hold you because I'm already taking you. I'm allowing process to shape and form something in you that on the other side of this, you'll look back and go, wow, Jesus, you've done something beautiful. Are you with me? Why don't you stand? That's a little more abstract than I normally preach, but I just feel the Lord speaking to our hearts this morning, just strengthening the church, strengthening us to follow Him. And so if you're comfortable, why don't you lift your hands. <clears throat> Jesus, I thank you that you are the author, and you are the perfecter and the finisher, that you're the one who brings our faith into maturity. And so right now, I just ask for the grace of God to rest on us as a people, for the grace of God, the mercy of God, the life of Jesus, to be the very life source of this community, Lord. Thank you that grace holds us. Thank you that you are discipling us, that you are training us and forming us, even in process when we don't seem to know what to do. That you are a good father, a good shepherd, that you're faithful, that you're, the goodness of God is, is seen in those who love him, is seen in those who yield to him. Father, on the other side of what seems impossible, I believe, is a breakthrough and an anointing to fly and to do that all, God, all God's called us to do. Father, thank you that on the other side of what seems crazy, or what seems impossible, Father, I know that you are leading us as a house into destiny. You are more committed to our destiny than we are. And so as a church and as a house, we surrender to you. We yield to you. We say you're the Lord of our lives. You're the lover of our souls, but you're also the shepherd of our hearts, shepherd of our souls. And so we we make a choice today, even if there's some of us who have to just remind our hearts and say, Lord, today I, I repent and I remind my heart, God, that I'm called to follow you. I'm called to deny myself, but to follow you. To follow you. There might be people in this room who are afraid of decisions because they think it's wrong or they're not sure if it's right. God, lift the burden. It is not you. I ask that you would impart a trust and a faith into our hearts. That the lordship and the leadership of Jesus is perfect. And if we keep our eyes fixed on you, if we look away from the things that distract us, and we keep our eyes fixed on you, that you are faithful and true. You're the one who will lead us through. God, I bless this house. I bless every person in this room. And I thank you for what you're doing in this church, in this community, and what you're doing in our city, in Africa, and unto the nations, Lord. Make us a yielded people. Fill us this morning, Holy Spirit. Fill us with courage and strength to continue to follow you. It's our great joy. It's the greatest privilege of our lives to be wrapped up in the dream of God. We bless you. We worship you and we honor you. Be enthroned in our lives today, God. And I ask lastly for a spirit of oneness and unity in this house. That you would knit every heart together. That you would knit us as one body together. Thank you for what's to come. Thank you for every expression. Thank you for all the beautiful things that are coming from this beautiful house. But more than anything, Jesus, would you be glorified? Would you be known and loved? We worship you. We worship you, Lord. God, I ask that if I've said anything today that's not in your heart, I pray it be forgotten. But that which is in your heart, Lord, would it just minister to the depths of who we are and bring transformation and freedom. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Guys, thank you for being here. Thank you for being family. Please stay and have coffee. And if you need prayer, our team would love to pray for you. Um,